Hey there, No Lifers. Welcome to No Life, No Problem, the podcast, episode five Adventures in the Workplace. I guess it's a, you know, a working title. <laughs> no pun intended. Or maybe the pun was intended. It was just bad. Now, you know, before we get too much into this, you know, I, w- I was thinking about it, and it's loosely related. As, uh, as you know, the Super Bowl just happened uh, this past week on, uh, on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, in one of the trending... Uh, hashtags, one of the trending subjects was the New England Patriots hashtag do your job. And that's kind of like the New England Patriot way of thinking. That's kind of their whole mantra. Next man up. Uh, everybody's a role player. I mean, and, and now they've won four Super Bowls um, with that with that same mentality. I mean, they haven't had any like really great players other than say, Tom Brady, who's, you know, one of the greatest players to ever play the game, it's been done with a bunch of, you know, role players and, and other people that hashtag do their jobs, right? Uh, and I was thinking about that, and it kind of, you know, got me thinking about all the jobs that I've had in my past, and and uh, without revealing too much, you know, I feel that uh, that there might be a job search coming in the future here. Not that there's like a like I'm gonna get fired from my old job or anything, but you know changes uh, sometimes are dictated by our our living situations. And like I said, without giving away too much, I've been thinking about jobs a lot recently, revamping resumes and all those different things, and thinking about all the jobs that I've had in my past. But I did want to touch a little bit on the on the Super Bowl because it was kind of a weird thing. I mean, this is a second Super Bowl now where I've actually worked during the Super Bowl, and I was doing a promotion at work and and had to be cognizant of what was on the screens uh, at the casino and, and when I could make my announcements uh, after the game had started, right? Can't do it during the plays or any big plays and kind of just cut down a lot on the PA announcing during the game because people were interested in watching the game while they were also playing their games, whether that you know be blackjack or, or a slot machine or whatever. But uh, but it was a different experience this year. It was kind of uh, anticlimactic. I mean, I, I picked the Patriots to win, and, and not because I like the Patriots. In fact, uh, they've been an enemy of my hometown team, the San Diego Chargers, for a long time. And and I, man, I just in years past, I've just I've loathed Tom Brady. But for whatever reason, this year and and, and maybe even a little bit last year, he's become a little bit more human. Right, he's he's been a little bit more accessible. He's not so much of the machine that uh, that that whole system has created. You know, Bill Belichick and uh, and Tom Brady have been so systematic in in being 
very vague and cryptic in in press game uh, post game pressers and uh, and all that sort of stuff. Like uh, I think for for maybe like five years, <laughs> I, they might even still do it <clears throat> to this day, where Tom Brady is listed on the uh, questionable. You have to do a uh, you have to release um, an injury report every week. Right? Who? What is the status of your players? Right? Are they are they probable? Are they questionable? Are they doubtful? Or are they out? Right? Based on their injury status. And I think for for so many years running, every single game, Tom Brady was listed as questionable with a right shoulder soreness. You know, just just kind of playing games with the whole system. They they've always kind of kind of resisted wanting to tell the media or any of the other teams anything about what's going on in their camp, and. Uh, and earlier this year, there was a whole thing where they got shellacked. They got absolutely wasted by the Bengals. Or not by the Bengals, but by the Kansas City Chiefs. And going into the next week, they had to play the Bengals, who at that point were in first place in the uh, in the AFC North. And, and whenever they were asking any questions about personnel decisions and, uh, and play calling and everything, they were asking Bill Belichick to this. His answer to everything was, we're on to Cincinnati. Well, we're on to Cincinnati. We're, but Bill, what about uh, you know? What do you think about in the second quarter when you made the decision to? He's, we're on. We're on to Cincinnati. We're we're on to Cincinnati. We're not. We're not going to waste any time talking about this, and just being just being uh, very patriotesque. How do you, how do you say that? Patriotic <laughs> in their ways of dealing with the media and and the game itself. I mean, obviously, everybody was watching. Uh, what what had transpired? Tom Brady led the Patriots down in the final minutes to score uh, the go-ahead touchdown. Actually, he brought them back. He scored two touchdowns in the in the final several minutes of that game in the fourth quarter to give them a lead. They were down ten, and then they were up four. But Seattle had a chance to score, and they drove all the way down, all the way down to the one yard line, and. Uh, and on the play before that, on first and five, they ran Marshawn Lynch all the way in for a touch, nearly scored on that play, almost got the touchdown on that play, and they were at the one-yard line. The guy hadn't been stopped all day, and uh, the Seahawks inexplicably called a pass play on the very next play rather than just handing the ball off again when they had a timeout, and, uh, and the rest was history. Butler made the interception to save the game, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And, and like I said, there I don't have... Uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, you know, sports. I love I love sports, but I'm not always going to spend a lot of time talking about sports on on this show. But I, it's kind of the whole experience of the Super Bowl this year. Like I was watching it at work and saw the first half, and I was basically out at halftime. And the thing I'd really like to spend more time talking about is a halftime show. You were you were watching it. You were with friends and family. You were watching the the uh, the Super Bowl over over at Garrett's family's house. What, what did what did you think? I fell in love, for sure. Fell in love. Oh, I, <laughs> I fell in love with Katy Perry. Yeah. So so, what did you think about that whole halftime show? I mean, as as somebody that does, I fell in love with Katy Perry. <laughs> right. No, I got that. I got that. I, I get the emotional attachment to it. But but, uh, Katy Perry has really nice legs. Right. As a as a Somebody that does uh, live production as a, as a profession. What did you think professionally of the of the whole of the whole um, spectacle? Katy Perry's tits look really nice. <laughs> That's your professional she opinion. She looked like a like her hot dog and a stick uh, s- uniform 
was pretty cool. That was that was your favorite part? No, really though, like it was it was badass. I mean, I told you like right when you got home from work, like I thought that was the best Super Bowl halftime show I've ever seen in my life. And uh, and I think that's the consensus. I think a lot of people thought that that was really great. I, I think a lot of people liked the black eyed peas and, and yeah. you know, I, and like I, I didn't, I didn't think that that one was very good. The, the Who, uh, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, they they've tried a whole bunch of. Uh, I mean, of course, the infamous Janet Jackson wardrobe Nip malfunction, slip. right? Oh, man, that would have been sweet on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, but uh, I, I got to tell you, you got to watch it. Yeah, no, it was it was amazing. The production was amazing. I mean, you have the you have the top 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 notch uh, production guys on this kind of stuff, and the the 3D the 3D mapping really impressed me. Um, the you know the whole floor that they were on, right? And that's what it's come to. I think they've really started to figure out how to make events, right? Live events. Before, I think in years past, I mean, here we are. This is the 49th Super Bowl. We've been doing this for nearly a half a century, and uh, and the halftime show used to be um, much more tailored towards the people that were at the Super Bowl for for the stage for the uh, you know the live event that were there in the stadium. But over years, as we've gotten into high definition and, uh, and, and the TV audience has grown so huge, that was the largest, that was the largest uh, event in television history based on those metrics that they use. That, that particular right. one? Hut, houses, uh, houses using television or, or uh, you know, market share or just sheer numbers of, of actual people in each house because hut right houses using television they multiply that out based on what the average household is right i mean in super bowl sunday man i mean a lot of those households have have parties you know everybody's got super bowl parties and i I don't know where they come up with the numbers but they're pretty pretty huge i mean if you can look up the specifics on that it was the biggest event in the history of television and as we've kind of gotten to this point the halftime show has got to be more about the television audience and and it's the same thing if you watch the the grammys or uh the oscars a lot more of it is now more about trying to find a live stage show that translates well broadcast to the broadcast side of it, right? Yeah. And, and that's where you're saying, you know, all, all the production value is really super high. But for me, right, <clears throat> I kind of took a step back in time because I, <clears throat> I was listening to the show on my way home on the radio. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it was one of the most bizarre experiences I've had uh, in recent memory because, right, it's this whole production that's designed for television. It's this grand spectacle, and they got so many crazy like light shows and pyrotechnics and dancers and people with the with the light up balls and and all the all the you know everything that went into it. And here I am listening to it. <laughs> listening the, to some guy describe it. Yeah, no, it was really weird because you know they for part of the halftime show, right? They try and cover the halftime with a little bit more prognostication, right? They have their their specialists, you know, their their analysts talking more about the game, and I think they go and try and kill a little bit more time with that than usual with the halftime stuff. But because they can't do the halftime show as usual. Right, because they can't uh, talk about the other games going on. Right, they're not giving you an update of all the other games in the league. There's only one game going on, and so they can only spend so much time talking about what's happened in the first half so far and what they expect to see in the second half. And so they cut back to, um, 
you know, and it wasn't their broadcast team that was doing it. It was one of their like standby guys that that was uh, kind of like throwing things back and forth. He was kind of like the uh, liaison, if you will, that that was throwing it back and forth between this team and the broadcast team. And we're gonna go take a look at a commercial, and he's sitting there describing it, and. And I'm hearing this like, oh, and Katy Perry's out on stage and Missy Elliott makes an appearance and they're, you know, and they're all dancing out there. They, they, and, and then they kind of would cut to it and have a little bit of the audio. And, uh, and then he would cut away. And then this is about the point where he's like, and Katy Perry is, is rising up off of the stage. She's, she's rising. Oh, she's now 40 or 50 feet above the stage soaring beneath a giant star. With fireworks, she's singing her song "Firework." Let's cut to a little bit more of that audio. <laughs> Baby, you're a firework. You know, it's like going, and I'm. You know what? And the funny thing about it that is, was it, a badass part, dude. Right, she was, I, she was flying up there on that thing. Dude. Yeah, dude. You know, and she's. You could see that the the belt, right? That was like kind of the same color as her dress. And and I heard a lot of comments about the Wii controller because she had a she had a wrist. Um, yeah, she had a, a wrist. So Just in case drop she dropped microphone. the microphone, yeah. you know what I mean? That's it, but it made it look like yeah. a Wii controller, and that's kind of funny. I but, so. I mean, if you're 50 feet up above the stage and you drop your microphone, that kind of puts a whole damper on the mood. Luckily for everybody watching the show, she didn't make any sort of giant uh, mistakes. that were, and, and unfortunately, there were no major wardrobe malfunctions. She was perfect. Right, she was, she was really good. Um, but... The funny thing about it is, right, as bizarre as that was, the guy describing it on the radio, right, when I went back and actually watched it, I was like, that's that's pretty damn close to what I had imagined in my head. They did, I, I thought it was really bizarre that I had to sit and listen to what this guy was talking about, but... Um, when I actually watched it, I, I mean, aside from the, all the great light shows, when it got to that point where she was rising up above the stage underneath the giant star, I was like, that's pretty much what I had envisioned in my head. That's pretty funny. I, I just, and it was just a really weird thing. And, and there's, there are other weird things to take from that whole performance, like, uh, like when she was in the hot dog on a stick, right, and she was dancing with the dancers, and they had the, they had the, the giant beach balls, right, yeah, yeah. And, the, and the sharks, the sharks stole the show, and and we looked at it. We've looked at this a couple of times, Kelly. We looked at some of the uh, gifts online and and some of the videos, because one of the trending topics was hashtag left shark. You know, apparently the left shark went a little rogue in the dance moves, and and you know, honestly, watching it, he didn't do anything that much different than the right shark. He just kind of had a little different flavor to the way he was yeah. doing the moves. Where the right shark was very crisp in the uh, in the choreography. The left shark kind of had this little flow and this little bit of uh, little bit of extra flavor to it. And it was it and it was <laughs> a, a huge success. People I saw somebody actually already got a tattoo of left shark. No fucking way. Yeah man somebody got a left shark tattoo. I was saying that's my Halloween costume right there. Oh yeah let's do it together. Yeah we'll be the sharks. Okay. Can I be the smart one? <laughs> what you the smart one? What the that you be right shark? I want, no, actually, I want to be left shark. Kellen, you can be whatever shark you want. Awesome. Because when we're talking to people independently, they're going to be like, oh, my God, left shark. And you're like, yep. That's me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the same thing. They say to me, you're left shark. I'm like, yeah, well, right shark's over there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got to work out the choreography. That's the only, that's the okay. only thing, Kellen. We have to actually have the choreography. That's true, because someone will challenge us to that shit. And if we have somebody, we should have a Katy Perry. I think we should roll with the Katy Perry. 
Absolutely. You know, <laughs> hot dog on a stick, Katy Perry. Oh. People were like, she looked like a hot dog on a stick girl. And they were kind of upset about that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that was the intended effect was to, to bring back that. Uh, does I don't hot know. Well, the intended effect was to. Oh, maybe look like a beach ball? Well, she definitely does not look like a beach ball. I'm watching this vine. No, she's got right a couple now. of beach balls that were circular, right? That was the oh, whole yeah. thing. It looked like the beach ball pattern. But the intended effect was to be, because this was like the California segment. Absolutely. Is hot dog yeah. on a stick a California thing? Do I they have that? Do they have that on the East Coast? I don't know. I mean, I'm try to find out, but I th- I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's a, a West Coast. It's thing. like an In and Out or a, you know, it's a, a predominantly West Coast thing. For those of you, I don't know, that might be listening in the Midwest or the East Coast, Hot Dog on a Stick is a place that basically it's like in the food court of all your malls. My sister actually used to work for Hot Dog on a Stick. Speaking of jobs, all right, because this is we are going to going to talk about jobs today. My sister's first job was working at Hot Dog on a Stick in the mall. That's horrible. <laughs> that was actually the first job she got fired from as well. I, and I'm not exactly sure. We're going to have to ask her. Eventually, we're going to have Whitney on as a guest at some point. But, uh, but that was her first job. I remember she had the big tall hat, right, in primary colors, blue, yellow, and red, and white. And, uh, and, and then they had their little dresses, and they would go back there, and they'd dip the hot dogs well, corn dogs. They dip the hot dog on a stick in the the cornbread mixture, the batter, and then they deep fry them. And then they'd have to like you know make the lemonade. Yeah, that yeah, was the best. Yeah, and they'd have to to. I always had a crush on them for some reason. Yeah, like every single hot dog on a stick girl I ever saw, I, for some reason I always had a crush on them. Oh man, something about that what they did there with that big giant hot dog uh, on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, when they were when they were doing the pumping of the when they were. They were mashing Pumping the, the lemonade, lemonade, mashing yeah. the lemons up for the lemonade, the fresh yeah. squeezed I don't lemonade. Know, man. Something about it. It says it says here, man, they paid them eighteen dollars an hour for the hot dog on a stick girls back in nineteen eighty eight. That that's horseshit. I don't. Whitney wasn't. I mean, this is in the maybe the the wages went down. No, I, I, I'm probably, but I'm just reading. This I, I'm calling. I'm calling bullshit on that one. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to work for hot dog on a stick then. Yeah, who answers, dude? Yeah, well. Like I said, you can't trust the internet for everything. But uh, so I don't know. That was my experience watching the, watching the Super Bowl. I got to watch the second half. What it was a really great game, and uh, I mean, what can you say about it? They, another thing I was watching was uh, the reactions to different fan groups. Right, there were like people that filmed with their iPhones or their GoPros the reaction to the final plays of the game, and I I mean, pretty pretty awesome stuff there. Uh, what they call in the broadcast industry, right? The things you want to show, the you know, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. <laughs> and, and you got to see it live on television too. Tom Brady, the way he freaked out when they, he was jumping up and down like a little kid, and Richard Sherman, Dick Sherman, man, I, I you know, what a great player, what a. Is that yeah. the dude with the big nostrils? I don't know. He's got the long hair. He wears Is number twenty five. No, Beast Mode. Beast Mode's a running back. Oh, okay, that's the guy with the big nostrils. Sure. I you know I'm I'm not judging people on their nostril size and just based right. based on it. Yeah, Richard Sherman has just has said some questionable things and has been a bit of a dick in the media, 
and uh, and seeing his reaction, I think a lot of people felt gratified watching that guy's heart break in two <laughs> when they didn't score. He was just like, after all the shit he was talking during the game on camera. All right. So the Super Bowl, it was good. I really wanted to talk more about uh, Katy Perry and and Left Shark, and uh, and you know getting Missy Elliott in there. A little bit of a throwback, man. How long ago did those songs come out? Ten years ago? Oh, more than that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's that was a while ago, dude. Yeah. Way more than ten years ago. Yeah, a bunch of that stuff had to, a bunch of those lyrics had to be. If you got a big, let me search it. Yeah. Let me find out how hard I gotta work it. It's flipping the flipping thing, yeah. It's supposed to be like backwards, but yeah, but you know, the the whole you know, big dick lyric. You can't say that on national television. And 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 speaking of national television, Katy Perry singing I kissed a girl and I liked it opened with Lenny Kravitz singing it. I guess that makes it a little bit more heterosexual heterosexual. Glad to see Lenny's still relevant. People were critical of his performance. I thought he was awesome. I like Lenny Kravitz. That's that's neither here nor there. Hot dog on a stick. Is that did we find out? Is that a West Coast thing? I don't know. It says they went to the East Coast in 1988. I'm still. All right. So so people day. know what hot dog on a stick is. Yeah, they do. But uh, <laughs> yeah. So speaking. Okay. So that was that was Whitney's first job. You know, but. Uh, I, and, and speaking of, like I said, you say hot dog on a stick and, and In-N-Out being, being a West Coast thing. In-N-Out was where I got my first job. And, and they paid pretty well. I was making pretty good money working for In-N-Out. Um, and I worked, the, I worked there for a while. I, I can't remember exactly how long when I first started working there. And uh, my mom ended up making me quit my job there because, uh, because my grades were slipping. And she thought it was because I was working too much. And really, Mom, if you're listening, it was because... Smoking weed. Yeah, because I could afford my own weed. I didn't have to borrow money and say I was going to the movies and <laughs> go buy weed. It was because I could afford my own at that point. I, I was supplying myself, uh, you know, and stopped caring about school. I was like, yeah, we'll make some money after, after school and, and go smoke. And there were a lot of us there. there a, you know, they didn't drug test it in and out. For good reason, I, I, you know, to to have to smile in a fast food restaurant for that many hours out of the day, that was part of the uniform, Kellen. Not only did you have to wear the white pants and the red apron and the white shirt and the paper hat, girls had the red hats, very similar to the uh, hot dog on a stick hats, I have to say, kind of made out of the same material and kind of a little bit tall, but, uh, but a smile was a part of the uniform. And, and I got to tell you, to work in fast food and to have to deal in a customer service industry that's like fast-paced and people get really bitchy about food. I, anybody that's ever worked in the service industry at all knows how bitchy people can be, right? And that's what they come up to do is to, if you don't do something right, most of the time you're going to hear about it and they're going to bitch about it until they get something free or they get their way. They, they're just, and some people, you can't make, you can't make it right enough. You do whatever you can to to try and appease the situation, you know, and appease them. But uh, they just want to bitch, and they they want to get their way, and they want something free. So, I mean, that was my first experience in 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 food service and in customer service because it was a little work, bit of both. I used to work right across the uh, way from you there, Starbucks. Uh, oh, when you worked at Starbucks, yeah, yeah. But where did you work before that? Where was your first job? 
my first 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 job was at um, a tech company doing customer service. Um, but I, I would consider my fr- first job to be Starbucks. Really? What? A, wh- no, didn't you work at Vons? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. See, didn't you work? Didn't you work as a as a bagger or something yeah, at, at Vons? I and did. Yeah, you, you conveniently forgot about that shithole. Yeah, that was shitty, dude. <laughs> Put pushing carts in the hot summer sun. That sucked. I can tell you, I've done a lot worse in the hot summer sun. I've had some absolutely horrific jobs. Yeah, that was pretty bad. You know, and that's the whole thing. We got to do what we got to do to make money, and uh, and sometimes it can be. Yeah, I mean, people have had humiliating jobs. Some of them are just hard work. Like, really hard work. You could probably get paid more. But there was one point where I think when we first uh, hooked back up and we were hanging out together again, I was, um, like, uh, and I was trying to find a job. This was when I was going to junior college and and in the theater company. And they were like, no, like, I needed to do something over the summer. I needed I needed to find some work. I needed to pay for things. And, and I couldn't get hired anywhere. At nine, 18, 19 years old, I, I had other different customer service experience. I'd already had three or four jobs by that point, but for whatever reason, like I, I couldn't find anyone that was hiring at all. Like I even tried Kmart; they didn't even hire me. I couldn't even get a job at Kmart, so instead, I walked across the parking lot and oh, went yeah. and applied for a job at Big O Tires, Big o tires. as a tire tech. And talk about hard work, shitty fucking hours, and just, I mean, just hard labor and almost torturous conditions at times. Man, in the summer there, man, in uh, in Ramona, in my hometown, it got hot. And we're talking like triple digits, close to sometimes it, it would get close to like 105, 110 degrees out there. And that means that the asphalt on the ground outside would get up to like 145 degrees. Fucking miserable. You have to, like, some, you know, you're doing your normal jobs, right? Some guy brings a Civic in, and, you know, you lift it up, and you're like, and you take off all the tires, and then you, like, you know, you take the valve stems out, and let all the air out of the tires, and then you get the this clamp thing to bro- to break the bead, and it's like, and, like, you get it, and you gotta, like, Got to, like, take the tire off of there. Got this rotating thing that, like, lifts it up. This whole, like, process to get a tire off. And then you soap up the new tire. And you got to do the same thing. Rotate it down onto the onto the thing. And then you got to fill it up with air. Like, it was, like, a whole process. You had to learn a whole new trade. And that was, like, the easy part of it, right? When a guy, somebody needed to get a whole new bunch of tires on there. And then there were, like, people that, like, wanted to plug tires. And, you know, like, go in there and, like, find the hole, like sink, you had to like sink the tire into this dirty, dirty tire water, right? You had to submer- fill it with air and then submerge it so that you could find where the air was leaking out. And so long as it wasn't on the sidewall, then you can repair it. I mean, man, ugh, that water was gross, you know, like it just, and and that was just kind of part of the job. But then, But then you'd have people coming in like, it's summertime, and they're taking their RV out for the first time in the summer. 
they they need to make sure that the tires are good. Some of them, you know, sidewalls are cracked. They got dry rot because they've been sitting there the whole year. So they're trying to get new tires on their RV, and you're crawling underneath their RV. It's 145, 150 degrees because they can't pull it into the garage, right? Because it's too big. So they can't pull it into the garage in the shade where it's nice and easy to work. So you got to go outside of the garage in the hot sun, jack their shit up, and you're crawling underneath there. And there's cobwebs and fucking black widows and brown recluses, like just spiders and all sorts of weird shit crawling out from underneath their, their RVs. I mean, dude, it was miserable. Talk about a miserable job for like, what was I making, six seventy five an hour? <laughs> it's fucking awful, and uh, and I remember even back then, people, you know, were, like guys that were working in the tire shop, and and they were kids my age or or you know around my age, and they were like gonna work their way up to do alignments and start working as a mechanic and like learn the tricks of the trade, and like they were working internships with other garages. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, I, man, this is a job. I I'm not sticking around here. Don't, you know, if you, and, and that's kind of been my mentality for a long time. And I, it not, it's not an, I don't want to think that it's an arrogant mentality, right? But it's just like knowing your place, like, ah, that's just not where I belong, right? I don't belong in a tire shop. It's, I, can I learn the skills and learn that trade and, and make some money doing it? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I had, a, I had a, a stronger sense of purpose. There was something else that I was supposed to be doing. You go back to school. That was when I went back to school, and and then, I and then I went back and got another job at In and Out. <laughs> I worked there for like three years. Yeah, but that was more of a means to an end. You know, right. Well, all were, of them. Like whereas Big O Tires, you were just that was just a teenage sort of job. Well, whereas all of them. In and Out, it was kind of like well, but you know what I mean. Like In and Out, you were going to school, and there was more of a goal in mind. It wasn't just like. Like big old tires, where we were just straight up partying. Like all your money probably just went to just being a fucking eighteen-year-old. Yeah, well, of course, and that was just kind of part of it. But I, but I'm, but I'm saying I, I think I've kind of gone through a lot of that. I, I still currently am not working a career job, right? And that frightens me a little bit. I think. Right, to, to not know, but but I but I also have a, a stronger sense of purpose. Right, I'm looking at the job that I'm working now. Does it allow me to do some of the things and um, and use a lot of the skills that I've 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 worked towards and I and I've developed over the years? Right, I, I've gone to school and learned a lot. I've worked a bunch of other positions. That's the thing is, I've worked some really shitty jobs. Right, that paid really bad. And you had to work your ass off for. And then I've had some like really cool jobs where the experience was awesome and even the pay was a little bit better. You know, when I got to work as an as an intern at uh, at KGO TV, the ABC affiliate up in uh, San Francisco, that was like one of the last paid internships in town. And they paid me ten dollars an hour to show up, sit in the sports department watch four different sporting events at the same time, right? Log where all the where all the replays happened where they can get uh, where they could pull the feed and and use it for the for the broadcast. And then they would like send me to games with a photog. They they wouldn't even send the anchors or the sports uh, reporter or the sports anchor out there to do it. I, they just sent me out with a photog to go watch Raiders and Niners games. And so it was me in the locker room like interviewing people you know, superstar athletes and, and coaches 
And uh, I mean, I got paid ten dollars an hour for that. That was pretty spectacular compared to getting paid six seventy five to crawl underneath your fucking shit rig and get you all set up to go out to the desert for the weekend. But all of it, you know, I I don't want to devalue any job that I've ever had, and, and I and I think that's important to recognize. And it's also a trait of our generation, right? The the millennials have this trait where where we work a lot of different jobs and we try and get in where we fit in and and we're not content to settle for something we're we're much quicker to pull the plug on an experiment rather than get in somewhere and say well it's a pretty good job i got good benefits i'm going to be able to take care of my uh, my family and take care of my kids and then you know 20 30 years down the line you're you're working this unfulfilling job and and you don't really love it and then and then when push comes to shove and they're going through financial hard times, there's no loyalty there to you. You've been there 20 years and they just pull the plug on you. Say, yep, we're, we're going to have to, uh, we're, we're making some, uh, some really tough decisions right now. Um, you know, we really thank you for all your years of service, but uh, there's the door. That happens. And it happens in the industry that I'm in. Happened to a friend's mother of mine. She was uh, worked her way up. She was working in admin for a long time, and they basically told her it would be career suicide if you didn't take this manager position. And so she's like, "Oh, all right." So she did it, and then she was really good at it. But then when when things happened, and there was a, it was basically like a unilateral like cost cutting measure where they had to just let go some of that top salary. And they came up with reasons for it, of course. Um, and they let her go. She'd been there 20 years. She grew up there. Talking from 20 years old till 40 years old, she worked in this place. And uh, and then they just made her fend for herself. Yeah, that's, and that's the way that it is. I mean, that's the way that the real world is. But it's a little bit different for our generation. And, and I think that uh, we, as a whole don't get as attached to our, our jobs. We understand the uh, I, I don't know the how, how temp you know that's the, just how how temporary everything is. That, that things change a lot and that we that we are looking you know we're always I, I'm at least me I, I not to say I always have one foot out the door but if a better opportunity came along you best believe I'm not going to pass it up just because I have something comfortable like if a better opportunity came up and it didn't have quite the same security but it had the potential to be something good I absolutely would get out I had a job I've had some really shitty jobs in my day I, I think the worst of which I was selling home security systems door to door. Actually, no, worse than that, I was selling coupons for like Papa John's and like car washes door to door. Oh, those coupon books. Yeah, man. And I was like it, going into weird neighborhoods, like that, wherever, in like Spanish speaking neighborhoods. And I had to basically be like, hola, como esta? Conoces a Papa John's? Conoces a Papa John's? You know, and then try and like fumble my way through my 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 high school 
AP Spanish to <laughs> to try and sell them some coupons. I think the best thing that ever happened to that, I had some guys call like come in, they bought some coupons from me and they sat and I and they invited me in and they like smoked me out and we sat around and like watched TV for a little while. <laughs> These Mexican guys. It was like the, and ordered some pizza with yeah, the coupons. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the best thing that ever could have happened. That that was a really shitty job. There was nothing good about that job. I have never had any jobs quite like that. Man. Might have been pretty standard, like pretty high quality stuff. Yeah, well, you and know? you stick, but you also stick somewhere for a while. You were with Starbucks for like six, seven years. True, true. That was just a means to, like, well, while you're going to school, school and, and paying our rent. To, I was able to. Cool thing about working about it for a company like that is that you can, if you work for Starbucks. You can say, hey, I'd like to move to Seattle. Hey, I'd like to move to Boston, which is what I did. Um, sign me up. Boom. Done. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, assuming you have a decent rapport with the company or whatever, or reputation. Right, and you have a track record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you, yeah, I, I totally understand that. But, <clears throat> you know, but there have been times where, oh, man, another really shitty job. And this is where I was going with this. I had a shitty job working... Um, Basically, telesales. Oh yeah, that'd be the worst. I'd, I I would be a I would be a I would eat out of a dumpster before I did that. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm I, not. Know, I'm I, not I know I know you're not. It's it, it's a it's something that. But I had I had a sales track record. This is being back here in San Diego, right? Yeah, this yeah. is me trying to get back on track. I had a job with Guitar Center, and that was like you said, I was able to transfer down to San Diego. But then I was looking elsewhere like it wasn't fulfilling so I was like what what do I want to do with my life and that's when it, when I ended up like quitting or you know getting fired however you <laughs> getting myself fired so that I could go try and hike the PCT but then when I came back and after you know I was collecting unemployment and then I was like nursing my ankle injury back I had to try and find work again and and I tried in a bunch of different places and I got a job doing telesales for homes.com and I was calling real estate agents and brokers around the nation trying to get them this and, and like walking them through trying to get to them get them to a point to like screen share so I could show them all the benefits and like walk them through this scripted sales process and and I was there two weeks and I was I was doing great and they were like really excited to have me and I was like man this shit fucking sucks I could do it I had all the faculties and the sales experience and the ability to talk to people that rapport with people over the phone but it just like it just was the furthest thing from like being gratifying or fulfilling and I and I got on the and I got a call from a guy while I was at work and I just like pretended like I was on a call and I and I took the call and I got something else and, I, and it was mo much more aligned with what I wanted to do like I was pr going to go produce videos of web content for uh, a video production company and ended up you know, being there for a while and then starting up a whole idea for San Diego Music TV, and then they they loved the idea and decided I was expendable and they let me go. And that's just the nature of the business. But that's the nature of a millennial. You know, you're always moving on to something better. Because when I left Homes.com, right, the people that own the the conglomerate that owned Homes.com, they're like, you know, if you leave us, you're never going to be to work for us or any other company that we own ever again. I was like, you know. I'm willing. I'm willing to take that risk. Like I don't know, you, you know, they own media companies and other things. I was just like, you know what? I, if it means getting the fuck out of here, 
you just got to look for something else. You got to find, get in where you fit in. And for me, like, did I fit in there with everybody there? Yeah. Would I have been able to do that and make a living? Yeah. Would have been steady enough? I don't know, man. Phone sales and it's all commission-based and it's just not the way I want to live. Can I do sales? Absolutely. I'm a great salesman. It just It's just not as steady as some other things. And it's definitely not as fulfilling. I love the game. I love selling people stuff, right, when you can get on a roll. <laughs> it makes you shudder. That's a, that, that you'd be, you would be terrible. I would, be, I would suck. Kelly Actually, like, I do suck at sales. So yeah, I suck at sales. You, you want to buy this? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like whenever I, whenever I like put something up on Craigslist or like sell a car or something, anything like that. Like, th- this is how the negotiation process goes. It's like, uh, like if I'm selling something, I say I want, say I want uh, nine hundred dollars for it. Guy goes, oh, how, oh, okay. What do you, what do you say? You know, he starts to go to negotiation process. And you're, yeah, before he even offers you something, you're like, okay, seven hundred. How, how about uh, seven fifty? <laughs> like, mm, and then I try, I like, I muster up as much as I can to like try to put up some sort of, mm, okay. Oh, <laughs> I'll take it and run with it. I've heard you on the phone before. Before the guy ever makes an offer, you're already like, well, because the guy's like, well, you know, I was thinking because of this and that. And you're like, well, what about $750? i am like, Kellen, you didn't even offer you a counter offer yet. I never fucking said that. You're exaggerating. No, man. Yes, I heard you, you on the phone. I heard you on the phone trying to sell your I car. Selling? You were selling your car. You were selling your blazer. Oh. And and I was like listening to the conversation because I could hear the guy through the earpiece, and he didn't even make an offer like with a number, and you were already like, well, what would you say about you know like seven hundred or or five hundred? I needed to get rid of that. Fucking yeah, you're piece just talking it down. I know, but you you know if you just would just stick to your guns. I I, I can't. Yeah, n- not not your why strong I'm an engineer. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not. Uh, I just want to just. Yeah. No. Not. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of the things. Yeah, engineers. How how can you tell the difference between an extroverted engineer and an extroverted engineer? Wait, <laughs> that's the same thing uh, that I said. That, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> an introverted engineer and an extroverted engineer. Uh, what? The extroverted engineer looks at your shoes when he's talking to you. <laughs> Just like the people oh, skills oh, may oh. not. Yeah, I know. I had to drop that. Is like a knock knock. That was pretty good. Took me a sec. Who's there? <laughs> Dumb joke. Dumb joke who? Dumb joke's on you. Actually, I wouldn't even call myself an engineer. I should... I no. mean, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I'm not a real engineer. Yeah, but... I there mean, are real engineers out there that build bridges and shit. Yeah, architectural engineers, and like, structural engineers. Yeah. Like, real electro- electric engineers and stuff like that. So, I'll just put that out there. Right, well... And that's a that's, but you understand where your skill set is and and where you fit in and where you're gonna go have a good job. I mean, and and uh, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. There's another one, uh, on the horizon, for you, which means big things for us. I'm not gonna get into any of that now. That's the second time you've. Uh... Well, I'm just alluding to things. People are like, what's going on? What's going on? Tune in next week to find out. <laughs> Is that the tease? Yeah, that's just old-timey radio. Is Kellen going to be offered another job? 
What will Chris do if they have to move and he leaves his job? Tune in next week to find out on No Life, No Problem podcast. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you taking a shit? <laughs> yeah, no, but that's that's just where it comes from. It's like the like just the the potential to have to look for another job. It's been a while. I've been at my I that's the thing is I've had a ton of different jobs, but the good ones, right? I've uh I I've stuck with for a while. Yeah, and and I have a good job. I I think for a lot of people and a lot of people that that I work with, they they understand like that's a where else are they going to go? With their level of education and, and experience, and get paid more for what they do, and the answer is there's not there's not a lot of options, and so a lot of them stay there. But uh, I I feel differently about the whole thing. I feel that uh, yeah, may I take a pay cut? Maybe maybe there's something better that's out there. I I recently had to take a look at my resume, which was. Pathetic. <laughs> resume was, and I never got it. Why? Why I wasn't getting hired at certain positions, and it had nothing to do with my experience or or my job skills. It had everything to do with my resume. I had a friend of ours take a look at my resume, and she just revamped it. I mean, it was more about formatting than anything. Yeah. It looks so much better now. It's like all the same stuff. I just I look like a professional now compared to like some fucking hack. And, uh, and 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 about uh, particular wordings, you know, those kind of like hot words that people love to use to describe themselves, you know, like goal-oriented problem solver, or <laughs> you know what I mean? The uh, you know result results-driven, uh, you know, all, all those all those sort of hot words and those buzzwords. yeah, those buzzwords. That's what I'm looking for. Those buzzwords that they that get employers all. Amped about it. Well, uh, he seems like a results-driven problem solver that's uh, very uh, adept at making critical decisions. Let's give him $50 an hour. <laughs> Just like that. We don't even need to talk to him. Those words, it says everything on the resume. No, I, I mean, it's always been my thing is if I can get my foot in the door and I can actually talk to somebody. That's my strength. And, and it, like, obviously it wasn't the resume, I, I couldn't even get my foot in the door to talk to anybody because my resume looked like shit. It was bad, you know. But you got, you know. I'm I'm hopeful now. I'm hopeful that uh, that that that's going to be the uh, the wedge, you know, just enough to leave that crack in the door open, so I can get in there and say, "Oh, excuse me, sir. Two minutes of your time." Hi, how you doing? I'm Chris Ball. Oh, you grabbing his nuts right there? No, I'm reaching out to oh, a handshake. Okay. Nice firm handshake. No, a little low. That's all. Well, I'm sitting down. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. If you were standing next to me and I'm reaching out like this, yeah, that's probably like a turn your head and cough kind of deal. <laughs> but if you're reaching across a desk, you know, I don't know. I know what you mean, though. Right. It, it just that's that's where my strength is being able to talk to people. We, you got to learn these things, so you got to be able to uh, to shut your mouth too. I'm learning this as I get older. Gotta 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 learn when to just whoop, zip it up, zip it up, and let somebody else talk. Ask the right questions and let somebody else talk about what it is. And that's another thing you know I, I've learned about job interviews: having 
the ability to ask the right questions, to find out if that job's something you even want to do in the first place. Like, you're in a position of leverage as well, mm-hmm. right? Especially if you have a job, then, then you're really in a position of leverage because you, you're not inclined to go anywhere, but it's like, what is this job going to offer me? And you have to ask them how long you've been working for the company and, uh, and, and what sort of opportunities has this afforded you and what have you learned since you've been here? Like, those kinds of questions it, that kind of get the wheels turning for them. They're like, oh, well... He's a, he's a critical thinker with uh, <laughs> it's it's obvious that all these buzzwords are true about this young this young professional I'm I'm borderlining you know young professional now I'm holding holding on to holding on to young I look young I you know, I'll go with that yeah yeah I'm young you know ish <laughs> not as young as I used to be speaking of Man, I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Oh, uh, shit. What you got? No, no. It's nothing that I got. Oh, I mean, okay, it, okay. like, you know, being young compared to being old, you know, we, we don't let go of those same things that, that bring us joy. What are you going for? I got a little elbow thing. <laughs> you know, I talked about the leg thing in one of the previous podcasts. Oh, the elbow thing. Yeah, the elbow oh, thing. Oh, how'd that happen? Yeah, well, I mean, that was uh, that was a skateboarding accident. Love to love to ride the longboard, especially now. Especially now, you know, can't go to the beach. The water's a little cold. I mean, I could, but uh, it's something I just always love riding the longboard. That's what she said. Yeah. Anyway, you know, and I, uh, I, I beefed it. I beefed it. I, I, you biffed. I biffed pretty hard. Yeah. And uh, and and you it did. hurt. And and I, you know, I didn't really get scraped up that bad. Other than the cut above my eye and that goose egg. I didn't think I hit my head that hard. It really was like uh, hit the gap in the pavement, fly about five feet. It was pretty good, pretty good flight. I, I got airborne. And then it was like knee, hip, elbow, head. Like, blah. And I, and I thought the elbow took most of it, and I hit my head. And I was like, I didn't hit my head that hard. I'm good. But as I was getting up, I was a little bit dizzy. Trying to piece together what happened, my my vape, my 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 mod was like in five pieces, like scattered across the thing, and I'm like trying to like, okay, I'm looking at it like as it's kind of move, like kind of spinning a little bit. All right, all right, settle down. I'm like taking inventory of myself. I'm like, okay, uh, head's bleeding. Uh, we're okay. It's not that. Oh, that's a lot of blood. Um, all right, where's the vape? <laughs> oh shit! Completely fucking broken. I'm damn it. When you walked I'm like cursing at myself in the street, and it was like a block away. You walked in the house, man. That was pretty funny. It Just was head bleeding, <laughs> all frustrated and shit. It was pretty funny. I didn't find it very funny. I know you didn't. I know. You know, you're like you're all right, and I'm like, no. Like, what happened? I'm like, I ate shit. Like, look at me. But uh, you know, the elbow. I didn't think I really hit that hard, and I didn't scrape it up or anything, and it, and it didn't feel broken. Like, I don't know. Maybe I just hit the soft spot, like I hit the funny bone where the tendon goes through the elbow, just like right on the asphalt, and, and it's more like internal swelling. This shit hurts bad. But, uh, but I thought about it, and it's just like a, a spill like that when I was 18. Be like the next day, eh, a little bit sore. Day after that, it's like it never even happened. Aside from the scab, the scab would go away. 
Even when I was 20-something, 20, 20 had a pretty bad spill like that. Skating with a 30-pack to go to a party in San Francisco. That, that, was a, that was an epic crash as well. Same kind of thing, just, you know, giant. This time I didn't hit a gap, but it was like a giant speed wobble. Like, it wasn't even like where it starts shaking, like, and it gets to the big speed wobble. It was like instant, like six-foot speed wobble back and forth, and then just trying to hold on, but carrying the 30-pack of beers, and just your center of gravity is just so distorted at that point. And then same thing, hip, elbow, 30-pack, head, and the 30-pack goes catapulting. I, there were beers 30 yards away from me and spinning in the garage of some other person living on the street. <laughs> like little holes in them, just like and beers spinning around me and I'm getting up. Same thing, taking inventory. Okay, head's bleeding. Arm hurts. I lost 15 beers. Lost it. Turned a 30-pack into a 12-pack. <laughs> And some girl comes running down the, because it was within eyesight of the people who were hanging outside the party. She was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you okay? You look like you need a hug. And I was like, don't fucking touch me. So the last thing I need is a hug right now. I'm <laughs> bleeding out of my face. But, you know, three days later, I was fine. I still had the scar, and, and I was good. I mean now, I mean I, I mean we're four or five days later, still feeling that this might this might go down in history as one of the one of the one of the worst biffs of my career. You know, not like the hacky sack injury. This is not career ending. I will definitely get back on my skateboard. And in fact, I'm pretty sure I have blood on the bottom of my skateboard because uh, I, I wiped it, you know, on my head and then I didn't want to get it on my clothes. And my clothes, the pants weren't ruined, the jacket wasn't ruined, none of it got like ripped up. Right, it was uh, it was all good, but I didn't want to wipe blood on it, so I, I put it on the bottom of the board. And it's just like war paint. <laughs> right, it's serious business, man. You know what I mean? Serious business. Can I put that on my resume? Skateboard warrior. Like, what what, what do you do in your in your spare time? You know what? Uh, what sort of accomplishments have you had in your lifetime? You're like, well, one time I ate shit with a thirty pack of beer, and I lived to tell about it. <laughs> I only lost 15. Yeah, no, yeah. See, that's when you you, you got to lie. Everybody lies on a resume, right? Oh, right, that's your exaggeration. Yeah, I crashed really bad on a 30-pack, you know. I, I really, you know, marked myself up pretty good. But you know what, man? Saved every beer. Saved every beer. Not a single drop was spilled. They're like, really? They're like, yeah, man. I mean, could you think about that? Man, what if I turned a 30-pack into a 15-pack? I mean, that's alcohol abuse. No, saved every last one of them. They're like, sir, you are a true American hero. You served, you served your country well, <laughs> saving those American loggers. Take this job. Yeah. You got it, son. You got it, son. I only wish that there was somebody like you for my last party when I turned that 12-pack into a 9-pack. You've done that. How many times have you done that in your life? You? Never. Oh, you've dropped beers before. Don't no, I haven't. Never. Never, 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 never dropped a beer? Dude, I'm careful, You're dude. lying on your resume. A beer? Have I ever dropped a beer? Yeah. 
or, or, or like had a had a box rip and dropped like nope. several beers. Never, dude. I'm safe. I'm I'm careful. <laughs> I live on the edge, man. I I'm don't a- drop beers, dude. I don't. So what are you trying to say about me? You're sloppy. No, no, sloppy. You're splashy. You're sloppy. S- you're, splashy. You're. you're ah. I got gusto, man. Yeah, you, yeah. And I'm the opposite, man. And that's cool, calculated, safe, boring. I don't know about boring. Boring. Not boring at all. Boring. It can be sometimes, but. Just I I make it home with all my beers, dude. <laughs> Fucking whatever. What a boring life you lead, making it home with all your beers. You don't have any adventure stories, any war stories about that time that you uh you didn't make it home with all the beers. No, man. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it's nothing that's gonna go on the on the resume. What is your, what are those uh, superlatives for you? What do you what do you put on your resume? Very thorough, calculated, uh, unique, uh, critical thinker of problem solving skills. I'm pretty standard, man. I list my my I'm I'm very truthful and pretty pretty standard. I list the consoles that I've worked on and the gear that I've worked on and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty standard. Yeah. Not like a risk, like you said, boring. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty standard. But I don't need to lie on my, on my. I don't need to exaggerate much on my resume. Cause I'm, I'm the job. shit, man. I don't gotta lie about anything. Oh, well, I put my time in, man. Yeah, I put my time in a lot of different places. And like I said, I'm not working the career job that you are. What do you think about that? About what? Not that I'm turning this into an interview, but I mean, we, we, the, like the the career path. How do you? Because that's that's the thing, you know. It's about being fulfilled in your career path. There's a lot of things that that I still have on my bucket list. I hate that fucking term, but uh, you know that I have on on my list of things that I want to do or accomplish or try, um, and, and a bunch of things that, that I'm unwilling to compromise on. Things that I that I'm gonna go for no matter what, you know. Yeah. I I've basically given up on like trying to be a rock star. You know, I lo- I'm I'm always going to play music, and I'm always going to have that element. I think in the in the creative endeavors that I that I go through, I think that that's a a useful thing to be able to to sing and write and play and those 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 things. But I'm I'm not trying to go on tour. You know, opening for Taylor Swift. You would love that. Oh man, totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen though. I don't know. I I don't know what I think about. It. I'm I'm pretty happy with my uh, my career, but. Uh, I, I I used to think that I wanted to be working with rock stars and working in the studio and working, doing all that stuff, but I've actually realized that that I'm probably better off not working in and corporate America. Yeah, I'm, I'm I might be better off finding a little bit of a middle ground because that environment, that the one that I thought that I wanted to work in, is uh, is not doesn't really jive with my personality. Yeah, and it's a little hit or miss. I think a lot of studio work, too, it's tough to be steady. Yeah, well, the studio thing I gave up a long time ago. It's sad. 
No, no, but 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 I didn't <laughs> give it up because I couldn't do it. I gave it up because I realized that it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and I was okay with that. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that you couldn't make a transition and do some of that if you if you felt I, it. I could still do that, um, but I, it would be more of on a hobby sort of selective. Right, and that's what I'm saying about that's the same thing. What I what I'm saying about music for me, right? It's more of a more of a hobby, but those skills can serve you well in in another aspect, right? You know, it, it's a skill in a list on a on, on an acting resume. If you can play a guitar and and sing and and do those sorts of things, it's like it's it could be useful. But uh, you know, on a <clears throat> if I'm if I'm trying to go out there and be a professional musician, I. I I don't have the chops, man. <laughs> the chops to to do something like that, nor am I willing to work at it that hard. I was just to... gonna say you got to put in w- tons of work. Yeah, no, you know, like I said, I'm much more of a hobbyist now. I can't even remember the last time I picked up my guitar. I mean, I can remember it. It's just not as frequent as I can. And and now with this elbow injury, you know, it's just putting it off even further. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, no, I'm telling uh, you, it's every, everything in my wrist and my in my hand. You know, mm-hmm. just the professional. Um, I would. Explainer, uh, yeah, that's what I, I can. I, you know uh, what? I, uh, I would sub that spin for doctor, spin maker. doctor. No, 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 I'm a spin doctor. I uh, no, no excuses, no excuses, explanations only. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, All it's right. uh, yeah, it's uh, it, political spin doctor. You know, put a spin on that. You may fool everyone out there. I'm not fooling anyone. <laughs> not at this point. Not at this point. But uh, you know, there's. Uh, so we said you you had to realize what's you know we got to take personal inventory all the time. It, it, we'll probably talk about that in a lot of other shows. Personal inventory is just time personal reflection to be honest with yourself about what your strong suits are and uh, and and where your weak points are, what you need to work on, and what are things that you know you can just kind of give up. <laughs> you know, no no sense in working too much on that. It, it's not that important for where we're trying to go, where we're where we're moving forward. You just uh, you got to focus on on building your strengths and and the weak points that are going to complement those strengths, not the weak points that are you know not really relevant. It's kind of how I feel about that. And uh, and hopefully there's there's new great things on the horizon. I'm I'm focusing on on this. I'm trying to treat this as uh, I mean this this is not a hobby for me. I mean it's fun. Yes, is it something we like to do all the time? Yeah, but uh, but it's something that that I think is viable. It's something that I think is relevant. It's something that we can do for a long time. And and the more you work at it, this is something that we put the work in. Right when you're talking about things that you work at, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, that's a ten thousand hour theory, isn't it? You work at something for so much amount of time. Now, granted, there's there's a talent thing that that has to be uh, evaluated in that, right? Like if if a guy's got zero athletic talent, right? Like even me, I've probably spent close to ten thousand hours practicing basketball. Just because I needed to to practice it to even be at a level to compete at the lower levels, right? Through high school. But there's no way, there's no amount of time that I can spend practicing basketball 
that's going to make me be able to go out there and guard LeBron James in an NBA basketball game or, or go out there and even, even get a sniff of the floor, be on a practice squad or the D squad in the NBA. There's got to be a certain amount of natural talent that, uh, that accompanies that work ethic and that 10,000-hour theory. You can't just practice anything. I, and I think with music too, and you can have natural talents and stuff. If you really work at it, you can be great. If you have no, if you're tone deaf, it doesn't matter how hard you work at trying to sing, you're never going to reach that level, that elite level. I, it's just that's the nature of humanity. If you work really hard at something that you have a knack for, you got a you got a real shot at being an expert. If you, if you, I mean, and there are other things that maybe don't take so much natural talent that if you just spend the time doing, right? Like, um, like take vaping, for instance, right? The guys in the vape shop wrapping coils and, and, uh, and making new, you know, pulling through new wicks and, and doing all that and, and learning about sub-ohm resistance and all that stuff. That's all like learned stuff. It's all kind of like a trade. I think, I think trade stuff you can get. And, and actually, speaking to that, they're saying that uh, in the new generation um, that uh, millennials might be better served working trades because they pay more. Going to going to college and paying all this money to get into a field that uh, it's tough to find work in. I'm like, oh, gee, sounds a little familiar, right? They, but if you go in, like some of our friends work a trade, there's a ton of money to be made, and and that's honorable. You can go do that if you can find, especially if you can find a trade that you're passionate about, woodworking or. I don't know if you if you love to lay pipe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, they, they, yeah. Speaking to that effect, I mean, trades. There, there's a lot of money in it, and, and you don't take that step backwards that education brings. And, and I don't want to devalue education at all. I think it's in, extremely valuable. Um, especially when it's put in the right hands. And there's education when learning a trade. I mean, I went to a trade right. school yeah, absolutely. for four years. I have a bachelor's of science in a trade. Right, absolutely. And there, there's, there's an education that goes along with learning. The same thing when, when I was a tire tech. I mean, if I wanted to make a move in the automotive industry, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's an, education pro, an educational process that you need to go through in order to be a professional. I, I mean, and that's the whole thing is it, it I think we put too much emphasis on education uh, on the in, in the traditional sense rather than looking at life as an education and everything that we go and, and that we go do we can learn something from personal development is is a is a crucial part of our existence trying to better ourselves and and, and trying to better our financial standing i mean that's and, and find a, a better job and a better way to provide for ourselves and our family. I mean, luckily for me, for us, we're, we're not looking to provide for anybody else as of right now. It's you and me, buddy. And our cats. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, providing for the cats. That's a uh, you know, really noble thing right there. And the salamander. Gotta, gotta. Happy-ass cats, man. Yeah. You know, gotta provide for you and your own. Yeah. But, uh... <clears throat> I mean that's that's the whole thing. 
It just you gotta, but you gotta do. You gotta have a fire, man. And getting back to getting back to this, that's why that's why why I do this. I, I don't treat this like a hobby. I'm not just like showing up and and just talking to a microphone. There's a certain amount of of work and pre-production and and value that goes into this. And hopefully you guys hear it. I mean, I I hope you guys get that 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 we're not just sitting down and just bullshitting. Not just sitting down and drinking and talking into microphones. Well, I mean, there's a certain, you know, well, hey, you know, I'm one. That brings me to another point. Why can't we go back to the days? Like, there's so many bad apples that spoil the whole bunch, man, when, like, you can, like, I don't know, you ever see, like, the lawyer shows and stuff where they, like, pull out the, the... the scotch from under the table there, and it's like the lawyer and the and the uh, and the judge back in chambers, and they're like pouring a drink, and they're sitting there discussing a a, a pertinent legal matter. But you know they're gonna have a drink there. It's uh, you know serious business, and hey, we need to just take time to relax. Needs to have you know when where are those days anymore? They just alcohol is a legal thing, but uh, but drinking on the job, you know that's a that's a Sorry, that's me and my cable there. You hear that? Drinking on the job is like one of those things that's really frowned upon. And I get it. You don't want to be drunk on the job. But what if it's a part of like customer care or rapport building with, uh, you know what I mean? No, I'm serious about this. Like where you can you can build a relationship with somebody. You have a drink. I'm not talking about getting like shit housed and being at work. Yeah, I'm back. Hold on, sir. Let me just uh, look you up in the system here. Oh, wait. Hold on. Oh, uh. Hold on, I screwed this up. Man, just give me a second. <clears throat> right. <clears throat> I, what was I doing? <laughs> I don't want to do any of that. I, but, but I mean, you know, having a drink, building a rapport with people, I, I think that that should be Okay. Should be okay. A few bad apples spoil the whole bunch. Can't do that anymore. Go have a martini at lunch. Discussing legal matters. Just like I'm TV. I, I'm not a lawyer. I, there's, not a, there's not a bit of me that wants to be either. I think maybe at some point I'm like, you know, I'd be a really good litigator. I'm just like, I, I don't want anything to do with the whole system. I, you get me out of there. I, I hope to never have to go to court again. You crack a smile and look at me. What's that? You think I'm going back to court? No. no, no. All right, good. Well, I think everybody's going to have, you know, a legal matter here or there, whether it's a problem with a landlord or or whatever. But I wish that on nobody. That whole process, I wish that on 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 no man. But you know, I I I do think that uh We need to focus on our goals. This is one of mine. I thank you guys for for tuning in and listening up. If you want to find us, obviously, nolifenoproblem.com is the source of everything uh, related to us. You can find us on iTunes. We're working really hard right now on getting the Stitcher up. We're going to be having that come through soon. 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 Within the next couple of days, hopefully. Um, and, and still looking at, at putting ourselves out there to get to as many ears as possible. 
you know, do us a favor. Tell your friends uh, uh, about the show. Throw them a link. You can, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at No Life No Problem. You can uh, check out the Facebook page, No Life No Problem. And, uh, you know, I just want to say thanks for showing up. We're going to be doing this. If you haven't figured it out by now, hump day is the day that, uh, that we put out everything. Every, every Wednesday is the goal to have, a, have new content out there for you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to No Life, No Problem, the podcast brought to you by... Let's face it, the economy is tough. And the job market, well, it's seen better days now, hasn't it? Have you found that your GED, trade school certificate, or college degree hasn't opened the doors that you thought it would? Well, that's because it probably should have just been printed up on toilet paper. It's time to face the music. In today's job market, you need something that's going to get you hired immediately. Hi, I'm Prescott Wigglebottom. Here at Prescott Wigglebottom's Mascot Training and Sign Spinning Technical Institute, we give you the real-life job skills that are going to get you the job of your dreams. Have you ever wanted to be a costume character or maybe even a superhero? Well, now you can be. Whether you're just looking to get up off your lazy buns and jumpstart your career, or you're looking to switch careers, Prescott Wigglebottom's Mascot Training and Sign Spinning Technical Institute is going to give you the real-life job skills to succeed in today's job market. There's a real demand for costume characters and sign spinners across the globe. I mean, just take a look at it. One of our most recent graduates was just on stage with Katy Perry at the Super Bowl. That's right. Left Shark is one of the most recent graduates of Prescott Wigglebottom's Mascot Training and Sign Spinning Technical Institute. So what are you waiting for? Jumpstart your career today. Call us at 1-800-PWMTSSTI or visit us at Prescott Wigglebottom's Mascot Training and Sign Spinning Technical Institute.com.